Well, now it's time to open it up. Will some people be affected badly? Yes. But we have to get our country open. Oh, do we? Do we have to get it open? No matter how many people will die because well, of it? Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. Well, he's got an election to win. I got the feeling that something right. So who cares, I I'm guess. so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in the from Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A., also in California in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, Round Mountains, KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE, in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, and Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP. In Grand Rapids on WPRR, down in New Orleans on WHIV. Out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, and we'll be talking about you, Gallup, New Mexico, with your mayor shortly. Also in Concord, New Hampshire on WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR in Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950, KTNF, amongst other fine terrestrial affiliates. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe, even during pandemics, on the internets, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth. Five days a week, I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today for another episode of the Bradcast. Radio to quarantine by. And yes, I mean you everywhere in America even in states and counties uh, where your leaders are dangerously telling you it's okay to go out and just have fun, just open up the economy again. What could possibly go wrong? We've got an election coming up after all and a president who really, really wants to win at any cost. And that cost, by the way, might be you, might be you and your life. Mehdi Hassan, the uh, journalist, tweeted uh, last night, uh, this shouldn't have to be said as it's so obvious, but the U.S. right now is acting as if it's a country that has just beaten the coronavirus. Not a country with the most coronavirus cases on Earth and a mounting, escalating, scary death toll. That tweet was from Monday night before Vice President Pence announced today that he was beginning to wind down the White House Coronavirus Task Force. What? Yes. According to Washington Post, Vice President Mike Pence told reporters today that the Coronavirus Task Force created to manage the federal government's response to the pandemic could be disbanded within the month because of, quote, the tremendous progress we've made as a country. The uh, task force is headed by Pence, made up of officials from the administration, including public health officials who have urged a careful approach to easing social distancing restrictions. 
put in place to mitigate the outbreak, according to the Post. And I cannot imagine that any of them think that it's time to wrap this thing up yet. No, nobody does except the delusional folks in the White House who are and in Republican governorships around the country who are trying to sacrifice Americans on the altar of money. That's apparently what it is. Uh, And power. Uh, I'm just uh, hi, Desi Doyen, by the way. (laughs) I'm I'm just amazed by that announcement that just came in that, uh, oh, yeah, we think we're done here. We're going to wrap this thing up. Uh, within days. It's just like in the Iraq War. Declare victory and walk yeah. away, even though we're still there and the war is still on. And the war is still on, yeah. Does not bode well. The administration seems to be pretending now that this thing is completely over, and it is decidedly not. Unfortunately, uh, you know, where they can usually pretend anything they want, uh, that doesn't make it true, but at least it's not deadly as it will be here. The infection and death rate is going up right now in the U.S. It is going up. Let me repeat that. Up, not down, across almost the entire country, particularly in rural areas. Take the New York metropolitan area's progress against the coronavirus out of the equation, according to a new analysis from AP published just minutes before airtime today. And the numbers show the rest of the U.S. is moving in the wrong direction, with the known infection rate rising even as states move to lock their lockdowns. New confirmed infections per day in the U.S., again, without the uh, New York metro area in the mix, exceeded 20,000, and deaths per day are well over 1,000 according to figures from Johns Hopkins University, which only tracks the number of those who died in a hospital after being tested and confirmed positive for COVID. So that number is uh, believed to be only about half of the total COVID-related deaths in the U.S., day in and day out for the past month or more. AP says public health officials warn that the failure to flatten the curve and drive down the infection rate in places could lead to many more deaths, perhaps tens of thousands, as people are allowed to venture out and uh, businesses begin to reopen. Make no mistake, said Linda Ox, director of the health department in hard-hit Shawnee County, Kansas, this virus is still circulating in our community, perhaps even more now than in previous weeks. The New York metropolitan area has been the hardest hit corner of the country, accounting for at least one third of the nation's 70,000 deaths. When the still locked down metropolitan area is included, new infection, uh, new infections in the U.S. appear to be declining, according to the AP analysis. But subtracting the New York metro area from the analysis changes the story. Without New York, the rate of new cases in the U.S. is increasing. The rate is increasing. Pockets of America far from New York City are seeing ominous trends, they report. Deaths in Iowa surged to a new daily high on Tuesday. And 730 workers at a single, one single Tyson Foods pork plant tested positive. On Monday, Shawnee County, home to Topeka, Kansas, reported a doubling of cases from uh, from last week. A doubling of cases in just one week on the same day that business restrictions began to ease in Kansas. 
On Monday, uh, as we noted yesterday, the widely cited model from the University of Washington nearly doubled its projection of deaths in the U.S. from the coronavirus from about 72,000 to around 134,000 through early August. So we are just at around 70,000 as we go to air. They are projecting that we're going to see closer to 134,000 before the summer is even over with a range anywhere from 95,000 to nearly 243,000. Dr. Christopher Murray, uh, the director of the institute that created that projection, said that the increase is largely because most states are now expected to ease restrictions by next week. Data compiled by the Kaiser Family Foundation suggests that infection rates are increasing at higher rates in rural areas than in urban settings right now. Yes, in Trump country in many cases. Researchers found that while urban areas continue to have higher death rates and more cases per capita, the growth rate of both metrics is now higher in rural America. According to the Kaiser study, between April 13 and April 27, the per capita rate of COVID cases went from 51 cases per 100,000 people to 115 cases per 100,000 people. That is a 125% increase. The death rate rose commensurately, uh, jumping 169%. From 1.6 deaths per 100,000 to 4.4 per 100,000. Donald Trump asked about the new projections in that model uh, before he left on a trip to Arizona to visit a mask factory. Uh, he disputed the accuracy of models in general. He said uh, keeping the economy closed carries deadly costs of its own, like drug abuse and suicide. We have to get our country open, Trump said. But projections by the CDC, that's the Trump administration's own CDC, that were leaked to The New York Times on Monday suggested that the federal government also expects COVID to begin hitting rural areas harder than urban ones. Citing data from up to May 2nd, uh, the document said that uh, over the coming months, cases in the Great Lakes region, parts of the southeast, the northeast and around Southern California are all expected to increase. Cynthia Cox, the vice president at the Kaiser Family Foundation and director for uh, for the program on the Affordable Care Act there, told TPM that there was a chance that the pandemic uh, could worsen at an already fragile could worsen an already fragile health care situation in rural communities, saying that those are also the same areas that have fewer health care resources and have older populations. And even the younger populations there tend to be sicker, she said. Rural America is uniquely vulnerable to the ravages of COVID-19. A decade-long crisis has led to scores of rural hospitals being shut down entirely, with 126 such rural hospitals closing since 2010. 126? Closed. Yep. The nature of the illness, as well, could wreak havoc on rural communities. America's rural population is, on average, older and has more pre-existing conditions that make COVID-19 more dangerous in those areas. 
Rural counties have far fewer intensive care unit beds per capita as well, limiting the amount of capacity that they may have in the event of widespread uh, widespread outbreaks. Meanwhile, some of the largely rural states that have had serious outbreaks in recent weeks, like North Dakota and Georgia, they are at the forefront of the effort to open things back up, casting social distancing restrictions aside. Josh Michaud, the Associate Director for Global Health Policy at the Kaiser Family Foundation and a former infectious disease epidemiologist with the Department of Defense, cautioned that the data suggested that rural America was likely on the upward bound of a potentially very steep infection curve. He said, if we're asleep at the wheel a little bit and we don't recognize that large scale outbreaks can occur and will occur in rural counties that are especially vulnerable, we could find ourselves very rapidly in a situation where we're looking at a severe epidemic in these uh, counties. So uh, large scale outbreaks are feared all over the country at the same time that uh, mostly Republican governors are throwing open the doors. And Donald Trump is saying, uh, what did he say there at the top? Oh, it's it may be bad for some people, but we've got to get the country back open and we've got to get it open soon. He specifically said it will affect some people very badly. But we have to get the country open. Yeah, well, too bad. What a shame. We have to get it open. We've got an election to win this November. Am I right, Mr. President? Last week, we spoke with uh, U.S. House candidate J.D. Shelton in uh, Iowa's rural 4th Congressional District, where he's running against white nationalist Republican Steve King this year. Uh, His district includes Sioux City, Iowa. With the number of meatpacking plants in that city and around uh, the very agricultural region, including a plant uh, in Sioux City with so many infections that it has made Sioux City, Iowa, the top rural hotspot in the country. The second worst hotspot for outbreaks in the nation is Gallup, New Mexico, in the very rural McKinley County in the western part of the state, not far from the Arizona border where the state of New Mexico has now blocked all roads into the city of Gallup, with the state's Democratic governor saying tougher measures were needed in a country where the, quote, virus is running amok. The state police and the New Mexico National Guard have now put a a stop to traffic on all roads into Gallup, which borders the Navajo Nation where as of Sunday, there have been at least 73 confirmed deaths from the virus amid a reported 2,373 cases. The American Indian Territory has the third highest per capita infection rate in the country behind the states of New York and New Jersey and a higher coronavirus death rate than every state in the country, except for New York, New Jersey, Connecticut and Massachusetts. The spread of this virus in McKinley County is frightful, said Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham upon issuing the order on Friday, which has now been extended uh, to invoke New Mexico's Riot Control Act. She says the spread shows that physical distancing has not occurred and is not occurring there. The governor, at the emergency request of Gallup's new mayor, Louis Bonaguidi, who was sworn into office Last Saturday, if my records are correct, 
requested an extension of the state order. Uh, which was granted until this Thursday. So the lockdown will continue. The former mayor, Jackie McKinney, also requested the lockdown from the state, and the Navajo Nation tribal president, Jonathan Nez, said he fully supported the lockdown order, adding that we have many members of the Navajo Nation that reside in Gallup and many that travel in the area, and their health and safety is always our top priority. The virus is running amok there, the governor said. It must be stopped and stricter measures are necessary. A problem in one part of our state, she said, with a virus this dangerous and this contagious is a problem for our entire state. All businesses in the city of Gallup, uh, which is a city of about 22,000 residents, are restricted to operating right now from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. under the governor's extended order. Some business owners in Gallup said that they were surprised by the move. Others wished it had come earlier. We're scared to death, so this had to be done, said Amber Nez, a 27-year-old shoe store saleswoman and Navajo Nation citizen who lives in Gallup and is pregnant with her fourth child. She said, I only wonder why this didn't happen sooner. The largely rural McKinley County accounts for about 30 percent of New Mexico's total confirmed cases of coronavirus. As of today, the New York Times reports all the roads into this city on the edge of the Navajo Nation are closed. The soldiers at the checkpoints have their orders. Outsiders must turn around and drive away. A spokeswoman for the governor's office said that the uh, legal advisors there were not aware of the riot law ever being invoked in the state before this. Joining us now is the new mayor of Gallup, New Mexico, Louis Bonaguidi, who again was sworn in just last week. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Mayor, welcome to the broadcast. Normally I would say congratulations on your brand new position, but boy, talk about a trial by fire. Exactly. I mean, in fact, the governor called me and said, uh, uh, congratulations on your win. You're the new mayor. But then again, I have to tell you, we're, we're locking down your city. <laughs> yes, I know. Uh, welcome to the new job. Holy smokes. Uh, this is, of course, uh, fairly radical. I'm uh, unaware of any other city in the country right now with its uh, borders essentially completely locked off, as I understand it. Uh, I know you've got a, a combination of, of city and county and state police and so forth uh, manning the exits off of Interstate 40 into your town. Uh, and the smaller roads, uh, I guess, in and out. Has there been any problems so far uh, with any of those checkpoints at uh, any of those uh, city limits? Well, the first day, I mean, it, it took everybody by total surprise. I mean, uh, 491, which comes in from uh, from basically from the Navajo Reservation, which is the main road, mm -hmm. uh, the cars were lined up to come into the community, and they were told they couldn't come in. So it, it definitely took them by surprise, and there was a lot of irritation. But uh, on the second day, it, it resided, and now it's to a point, basically, I think most everybody understands what's going on. And uh, what's ironic now is, uh, is these, these, these roadblocks, people are bringing in you know, drinks, water. Uh, some of them brought chicken to each, of the, each one of them. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, the community, I think, basically is starting to realize that everybody, it's there, they're there for us and support 
and we're getting actually support from both sides, uh, the people in the community and the people wanting to come into the community or, the, or around the county, the rest of the county. That's good to hear uh, because the, uh, the Navajo Times is reporting that though the uh, president of the uh, Navajo Nation supports this move, uh, they write that the closure of Gallup came at the first of the month, the time when many Navajo people went to the city to take care of essential needs like grocery shopping, washing clothes, getting hay and feed for their livestock. Navajos who conduct business in Gallup will have to wait or go elsewhere if uh, if the extension is granted. That was over the weekend. The extension has been granted. That means that uh, folks on the uh, on the reservation are also not able to come into Gallup at all. Well, you know, specific purposes, if they're coming in for doctor's appointments or uh, or they're essential workers in the community, they're allowed in. Mm-hmm. But everybody else basically is turned away. But I would also like to make a point, you know, I mean, yeah, it is. Uh, it does, uh, especially on a pay weekend, which is usually the, the first of the month, mm-hmm. uh, the numbers are unbelievable. There's between thirty and 50,000 people come into the community, mm. and that's, you know, I mean, that's a major influx. And we're, con- we're thinking to ourselves, well, if, if the virus is here, then they're going to be taking it home to their families, yeah. you know. And uh, so that's one of the reasons we said maybe we better do it now. We better stop it on the first of the month when all these people are coming into the community. Mm-hmm. I mean, our numbers, like you said, we're thirty percent of the state of the state total. You know, uh, or mm-hmm. so we bet we had to do something, and it, it may be drastic, uh, but as all we can do is basically watch the numbers. The sad part about it is. The tests take so long. The tests are two, two and a half days before they get back to you, whether you're positive or negative. And it's, uh, you know, if, if the tests were quicker, I mean, we, we, we can get a handle on this virus, but it really makes it rough when you have to wait that long. Uh, as I noted, that uh, Gallup now has the third highest rate of infection of any metropolitan area in the U.S., uh, only the areas around New York City and Marion, Ohio, which is the site of a large uh, prison cluster. Uh, they're the only ones with a higher rate. Uh, Mr. Mayor, what do you attribute the explosion of cases to in and around Gallup? Well, you know, I'm, uh, a lot of it is that people are just not taking it serious. I mean, uh, uh, that's to my, you know, that's my interpretation. Maybe the professional medical, you know, people would 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 differ from that. But mm-hmm. I see people in Walmart or in the supermarkets that are not wearing masks and that type of stuff. A lot of they're, you know, they were bringing their kids in. The kids are running around. You know, I mean, even today, where I'm, I'm still seeing that. You know, in uh, until everybody starts taking it serious and starts wearing masks and staying at home and this mm-hmm. type of stuff. I mean, that's the whole thing. Uh, I don't know. You know there's got to be other causes because this is a virus. I mean, it's microscopic. You can't mm-hmm. see it. You don't know, you know. But uh, all we can do is as little as we can. We know that throughout the world, basically, people, that people just don't know enough about this virus. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no vaccinations for it, and the tests are too long, you know, mm-hmm. so... But we don't have a case like we have, uh, I mentioned Marion, Ohio, where there is a prison uh, or, you know, so we've been talking with uh, uh, folks in other rural areas in, in Iowa about the meat packing plants. You don't have any particular cluster like that where uh, it can be identified that it took off uh, at, at any particular point, correct? No, no, we don't. Uh, like I said, we knew that uh, with, the, you know, the first of the month we we're going to get an influx of, Thirty, forty thousand people. So mm-hmm. we figured, we let's stop it. If we can break that cycle, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's the whole intent. If we can break that cycle in the next two or three weeks, uh, 
uh, my understanding is if we don't break it in two or three weeks, it basically works. Gallup is going to be shut down for a, for the rest of the summer. Yeah. So. If you don't break it, it will break you. And that's actually what I'm worried about in, in a lot of areas around the country. And one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you guys uh, in a, uh, a very rural area, uh, but who are dealing with an extraordinary rate of infection. Are you getting uh, what you now need uh, from the state and or the federal government at this point? Do you do you have the facilities that you need there? ICU beds? Uh, you know, protective gear, ventilators, and so forth uh, that are needed uh, to weather this crisis as it is right now? Well, uh, of course, I mean, we're like the rest of the country. Uh, no, we don't have enough. We do definitely don't have enough masks. We can't get sanitizer. But, I mean, uh, we do have ma two major hospitals. We have the Indian Health Service, and we have our own hospital, and uh, both of them are full. In fact, we're to a point, basically, took a high school, a new high school, and converted into a hospital. The mm. Corps of Engineers came down and worked it over, and they're starting to take patients into that uh, uh, school for as a hospital. It's a step-down hospital. In other words, these are the re re uh, uh, patients that are on the recovery list. It's not you know, so it's not at the they're at the peak. Mm -hmm. But we're doing everything we can, you know. And the state is doing everything. I mean, the governor has gone way out of her way for us uh, here. And, uh, you know, it's too bad we had to be as drastic as, as, as we are. But if, if anything, it's going to get the awareness out uh, to the rest of the, the community uh, or the world, for that matter, that uh, this is a serious situation and we've got to address it. Yeah, uh, it sure is. Uh, and now, uh, as I was uh, working on this uh, story and looking into what's going on there, apparently Native Americans account for... Uh, 53 percent of New Mexico's confirmed coronavirus cases, and yet they make up only about 11 percent of the state's population. Epidemiologists list uh, several contributing factors, including multiple generations living in single households on reservations and a shortage of running water that makes uh, basic hygiene difficult. Is it true that um, about a third of the Navajo Nation still lacks uh, running water? And would you attribute that to one of the reasons for the widespread uh, of this virus among the native population there? Yes, it, it uh, definitely has an effect. Uh, <clears throat> now I'm going to give you history about the community. I mean, uh, we're in the process of putting in a water line from uh, San Juan River in the, up in the San Juan County mm -hmm. uh, to here, which is about a 150-mile water line. It's called the Navajo Gallup Pipeline, which basically is going to feed uh, most of the Navajo tribe, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, of course, Gallup is, is somewhat in the center, not in the center, but we're on uh, a leg of it. The water line will actually pass us uh, for probably another 50 miles or so. But, uh, uh, yes, to, that's the whole intent is to give everybody access to running water. Yeah, that's one of the big issues that we're having on, at the roadblocks. People are people come into Gallup and they got these 500 gallon tanks in the back of their truck, and and they're getting water here to take home. Mm -hmm. So yes, uh, we have. And some of those folks are are unable to do that, or unable to come in and get their water at this point to take no, home. No, we've got it. We've got it. Uh, we we adjust it to where where they can come in and get water. Mm -hmm. We also have the uh, National Guard. Uh, one of the first. Pro problems that we had when I talked to the governor was the fact that, hey, look, we have a, a number of what they call chapter houses, which is a small kind of governmental prop, uh, neighborhood, mm -hmm. uh, na you know, of Navajo tribe. There's about 16 of them around surrounding Gallup. They, they depend on Gallup for, 
for their needs, whether it's groceries or whatever. Anyway, she assured me, she says, we will cover it. She says, we have 350,000 tons of food that will make sure that we get out to them. We'll bring in water trucks. We'll get that out. And uh, let me tell you, she has lived up to her end. Mm. I mean, they are providing. But the water needs is something that we found out that we can help out with. So, so people are coming in and still getting water. When, uh, when will that water line uh, be finished? Is that something that might help out in this crisis, or is that something down the road? No, that's a permanent situation. That's going to be here probably until the, the water line, uh, the Navajo Gallup pipeline gets finished, and that's going to be like the year 2028. Mm. Oh, man. Okay, well, that's a long way to go. Uh, and now, I, I understand that Gallup is, uh, in contrast, according to the New York Times, to some towns, to other towns in New Mexico where elected officials are adopting defiant positions against social distancing measures. Are you in touch, Mr. Mayor, with other mayors around the state? Uh, surely they see what's going on in Gallup and they ought to be concerned. Are, are you in touch with them? And otherwise, what would be your message to some of those other mayors in New Mexico who are looking at lifting restrictions at this point? Well, we're monitoring. I, I can't say I'm really in touch with them. Uh, I mean, uh, I haven't really had, uh, well, this is my fifth day on the job. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm in the process of as, uh, connecting as, with as many people as I can. In fact, I do have uh, a couple of notes of mayors wanting to talk to me, uh -huh. in which case we will be in touch with them. But, uh, uh, you know, apparently all, our, all of us have different numbers, you know, in, uh, in what's happening, and I, we just feel ours is outrageous and we want to put a stop to it. I, I also uh, see that uh, some in Gallup are concerned about the potential for increased transmission coming in across the Arizona state line, which, if I recall from my many drives across Interstate 40 there, uh, it's about 30 minutes from Gallup, I, I, I think, the state line. And in Arizona, the businesses are uh, preparing to reopen there. Is, is that a concern? And uh, what are your concerns about how opening Arizona may affect New Mexico in general, and Gallup specifically? Well, you know, I mean, that's a concern. Like I said earlier, uh, if we get, get a handle on this in the next two or three weeks, we can start opening our businesses, you know. But uh, at this point, I mean, it, it's scary. You know, we don't want to open our businesses and find out we're infecting more and more people, mm -hmm. you know. I mean, so... Uh, yes, you hate to see you. You hate to see your competition get all the business. You know, you definitely <laughs> sure. want to put a stop to that, right? Uh, but it, well, you say two to three weeks. This order, as I understand it now, which is an extension of the initial order from the uh, from the governor, that it expires on Thursday. Do you expect that uh, it will be extended again for another uh, two or three weeks? Well, the way the Riot Act works is uh, it's on a three day uh, periods. You know, mm -hmm. so. We did the first one, which which started on Saturday morning, ended on uh, Monday Monday at noon, and of course we did extend it. So that this next one will end on uh, Thursday at noon. Uh, <clears throat> decision to make it to extend it uh, has not been made, and in uh, well, our determination is is will 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 either extend it or not extend it on Wednesday. You know. Uh, I'm not doing it strictly on what I think. I'm mm -hmm. basically, I'm talking to medical professionals, I'm talking to law enforcement, I'm talking to anybody and everybody that uh, feels like they, that, you know, uh, they can have a concern about it. Uh, 
at this point, I mean, we're hoping it works. We're watching the numbers, but uh, uh, like I said, the, the testing, it takes so long, it's, it's hard for us to get an accurate number. They did a number of free testing in the past two weekends in a row, but mm-hmm. the last weekend they definitely haven't got the numbers for it yet. Are, are there faster uh, tests that are available out there, but that you guys just have not been given yet? Well, they understand there are faster tests that are coming out, but we definitely haven't been able to get enough of them. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, uh, there's 70,000 people in the county, and I think they basically have only tested like 6,000 at this point. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, there may be some surprises ahead. It may be even worse than it currently uh, appears. Uh, Mayor uh, Louis Bonaguidi, uh, the broadcast is actually heard on our local affiliate station there, KNIZ 90.1 in Gallup, New Mexico. But we're also heard around the country and the world. Is there anything that you would like the rest of the country to know uh, about your situation there in Gallup specifically or anything that we can do from out here to help with uh, with what is going on there, because uh, when I first saw, saw this story, I was just uh, horrified by the numbers. I'm somewhat familiar with the area. We've been talking about you know rural communities being hit uh, particularly hard. You guys are sort of uh, f- forgive this turn of phrase, but kind of in the middle of nowhere, and yet you have this huge explosion of cases. What would uh, w- what what does the rest of the country and the world need to know about what's going on in in Gallup? Well, I mean, the only thing I can say is we're all in this together. I mean, the whole world is fighting a, a virus, and there's just so little known about it. And uh, uh, we're doing whatever we can to, to, to curb it or to, to stop it, you know. And, uh, uh, well, I guess we can ask for your prayers, if anything. <laughs> uh, well, we're happy to give what we can. There's, are, are there any uh, particular uh, uh, groups, charities, anything else set up yet out there in, in Gallup that might help? Uh, not that I know of. I, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, like it's, a, it's a, we're a tough little community for yeah. that matter. I mean, uh, like I said, the roadblocks and everything are set up, and people are taking cokes and coke, chicken and everything else to them, donation to them. Uh, we're doing what we can. We've got a, like I said, we've got a, a really good community, and uh, well, we're just appreciative of that for sure. Well, uh, I'm appreciative of you, sir, uh, joining us today, and uh, it's kind of amazing uh, what you have been met with uh, five days into this job. So we wish you luck in the days ahead. Hope you don't mind if we check back in with you. And uh, if there's anything that you know we can help get out uh, to the world, uh, please stay in touch with us as this moves forward, sir. We will. We will, definitely. Thank you. Thank you. Mayor Louis Bonaguidi of Gallup, New Mexico. All right, we'll take a quick break, and uh, where are we? Come, oh yeah, Donald Trump is Donald Trump is mad. <laughs> there was a there was an ad somebody put out that he doesn't like. We'll play that, and uh, Desi Doyen, you've got a Green News report coming yes. up a little bit later, Yay. so there's that to look forward to. I'm Brad Friedman, and you are listening to the Bradcast. <laughs> Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the Bradcast. But we need your help to do it. If you enjoy the show and or get something from it, please give back a bit, if you can, by visiting us at bradblog.com slash donate. 
Your support helps Desi and me continue to bring you real, independent, progressive news five days a week over your public airwaves. We simply can't do it without your help, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate today to make a one-time donation or, even better, automated monthly support. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you can rest easy knowing that we'll be here every day making sense of it all, or at least trying to. That's bradblog.com donate, and thanks. Welcome back. It's the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. So uh, this new attack ad against him seems to have really gotten under Donald Trump's skin overnight, uh, perhaps because it's not from Democrats, but from Republicans. So if he's bothered about it, if he's this bothered about it, Desi, I guess we better play it to find out why. There's mourning in America. Today, more than 60,000 Americans have died from a deadly virus Donald Trump ignored. With the economy in shambles, more than 26 million Americans are out of work. The worst economy in decades. Trump bailed out Wall Street, but not Main Street. This afternoon, millions of Americans will apply for unemployment. And with their savings run out, many are giving up hope. Millions worry that a loved one won't survive COVID-19. There's mourning in America. And under the leadership of Donald Trump, our country is weaker and sicker and poorer. And now, Americans are asking, if we have another four years like this, will there even be an America? Paid for by The Lincoln Project, which is responsible for the content of this advertising. Ouch. Yes. Uh, that is uh, the Lincoln Project is a group of uh, never Trumpers that includes longtime GOP operatives uh, like Bill Kristol, John McCain's former campaign chair, uh, Steve Schmidt, GOP campaign consultant Rick Wilson and George Conway, the husband of Trump's senior advisor, Kellyanne Conway, among others. And that is a brutal ad, even hearing it, much less without the visuals in that thing. You probably get a sense of it. Uh, just hearing the music. Uh, but they have been cra cranking out ads like that, which underscore, frankly, why Republicans are so much better than Democrats at winning elections. <laughs> yes. you, know, you never see ads like that from Democrats. And uh, so these guys have been uh, cranking those out. Well, uh, it seems Donald Trump, for some reason, did not much care for that ad, which uh, throws back to uh, the 1984 uh, It's Morning in America ad by, uh, Ronald Reagan. by Ronald Reagan. That was a different type of morning, M-O-R-N-I-N-G and not M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. Did I spell that right? Yes. Okay. Uh, in any event, uh, Trump exploded, apparently, at the Lincoln Project via Twitter Early Tuesday morning, overnight, it was driving him crazy after the uh, anti-Trump conservative political action committee had put out that ad criticizing his response to the COVID epidemic. Uh, 
he unleashed a Twitter tirade with at least four tweets calling the members of the group uh, terribly clever nicknames. Uh, did you happen to see any of that, Des? I try to avoid it as oh, much you as do? possible. Well, yes. I do too. But I did see that there was yeah. one racially chin- tinged uh, nickname that he gave. Oh, there was? Oh, yeah. I, oh, I didn't notice that one. Mm-hmm. Do you remember which one it was? Yes, it was the one related to George Conway. Oh, real? Oh, is that what that's? Okay, because I'm going to get to that tweet. Right. I didn't know that. Uh, anyway, he described the group as a disgrace to honest Abe and called out each of the members by name. He said they are all losers in all caps. But Abe Lincoln, Republican, is all smiles, he tweeted. Abe Lincoln is all smiles? What does that even mean? Do you have any idea what that means? <laughs> no, it's deranged. He's an idiot. He also seemed uh, to blame his own advisor, Kellyanne Conway, for the actions of her husband, who, if you are on Twitter, by the way, he is a must-follow George Conway uh, for all kinds of reasons that you will find out if you follow him there. He said, I don't know what Kellyanne did to her deranged loser of a husband, Moonface, but it must have been really bad, Trump wrote. Moonface. He called George Conway Moonface, so I bet Conway feels pretty stupid right now, but you say that there is a a, a racial aspect to the Moonface? As I understand it. Yeah? As I understand it, Conway is of partial Filipino descent, and that Moonface is considered to be, that term is considered to be racially tinged. I didn't know that. That's as I understand it. So, you know, I could be wrong. I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, so that, uh, you know, I'm sure that uh, that that even hurts even more. <laughs> I I'm guess. sure I, I'm sure Conway does not care. One just, bit. just well, he fired back on Twitter shortly thereafter. He said, I guess we know what keeps the president of the United States up at night. It isn't the Americans who are dying once every 45 seconds of covid-19. Ouch. Uh, By the way, that seemed like a lot. One American now dying every 45 seconds. Uh, So uh, as it turns out, though, he's right. We're seeing about 2000 officially confirmed covid cases. I'm sorry, covid deaths every day now uh, for some time. And as we've discussed on the show, the number is likely to be about twice that since there seems to be about twice as many deaths above the seasonal average that would be expected for this time of year, above and beyond deaths officially attributed to COVID. But even if you go with 2,000 a day, I did the math. There are, you know, this is just how I am, I guess. Uh, I had to figure out, there are, as it turns out, 86,400 seconds in a day. Uh-huh. Did you know that? I did not have that number off the you top of my head. You didn't know that? Oh, okay. Well, I thought everyone knew that. Uh, anyway, <laughs> you divide that by 2,000 and you get 43.2. So, yeah, right now, an American is dying from the coronavirus, even with the conservative uh, 2,000 a day number. Uh, one American, less than every 45 seconds, is dying after Donald Trump's infamously failed response to this crisis with still no national strategy in place for how we're going to get out of it. Uh, And, of course, as I mentioned at the top of the show, they're even talking about disbanding the White House Coronavirus Task Force at this time because they're doing such a good good job. So we are likely to only see an increase in coming weeks, not a decrease, an increase over... One American dying every 45 seconds. 
Even as Trump is now hitting the road, citing his coronavirus response as a reason that he should somehow be reelected because he's doing such a good job. But how about those losers at the Lincoln Project, eh? Especially Moonface Conway. What a loser. Trump tore into the group again on uh, Tuesday morning, according to Politico, in remarks to reporters at the uh, joint airbase uh, Andrews, calling George Conway a, quote, stone-cold loser. I guess somebody told him not to use that moon face slur again, perhaps. Maybe, I don't know. He said they should not call it the Lincoln Project. It's not fair to Abraham Lincoln, a great president. They should call it the Losers Project. So clever. Where does he come up with them? He, he just nonstop. He's got one after another. I know a couple of third graders who do a little bit better. <laughs> it's just. I think it's, you know, the, I think the, I'm glad that they did the Lincoln Project ad yeah. because hammering that concept yeah. that America is now weaker, sicker and poorer because of Trump's inaction and yeah. inability to just behave like a normal president and do the stuff that a normal president would do to protect American lives. They've been putting out a lot of those ads, and uh, I don't often share them. But this one seemed to irritate him so much, I figured there must be a reason. We must explore why and share it with our wide audience to find out. Uh, yeah, the Lincoln Project has been quite good, and that's uh, w with their uh, videos. And again, videos that Democrats just cannot seem to do. I saw Chuck Schumer uh, stuttering and uh, on uh, some interview last night about how unfair it is that he's been brought back by Mitch McConnell to vote on right-wing judges who are not qualified, and that is true. That's the only reason Mitch McConnell is risking all of these senators' lives so that they can put more uh, right-wingers on the bench. But what's your plan, Chuck? What should Mitch McConnell be doing? What should you be doing? Where is the Democratic plan to counter all of this? If this was if things were reversed here, you can bet your bottom dollar that the Republicans would be in there saying we need to do X, Y, Z and we need to do it now. And Chuck Schumer is holding us up and that's killing Americans. Well, why isn't Chuck Schumer doing that? Well, because he's a Democrat. The uh, House, they're not even meeting at all. Uh, Nancy Pelosi apparently still has no plan for how to bring back 435 members of Congress uh, or uh, safely or uh, how to have them vote remotely in the meantime. <sighs> so I'm just mad at everybody, apparently. <laughs> all right. Uh, before we get to Desi Doyen and our latest Green News report, here's something that the federal government is now doing that actually is not horrible, as far as I can tell. The Agricultural Department announced yesterday that it will spend $470 million to buy more surplus food amid the widespread disruption to the food supply as a result of the coronavirus. That comes uh, after our conversation last week, again, with uh, U.S. House candidate J.D. Shelton uh, in Iowa about the hit that the farm community is taking right now as they are literally dumping millions of tons of fresh food and milk because the commercial market for uh, schools and restaurants and hotels and so forth has been shut down and they're just throwing this food away instead of the government buying it up and giving it to people who are in need right now. The uh, move by the USDA comes a week after reports that the department had been slow to make such purchases, even yeah. though demand at food banks is now surging. The purchases will uh, target fruits and vegetables, meat, dairy and seafood, which have, been, uh, have seen their markets turned upside down. 
Uh, Agriculture Secretary Purdue said, Sonny Purdue said, uh, America's farmers and ranchers have experienced the dislocated supply chain caused by the coronavirus. That, he said, after the first paragraph of the statement included the usual sycophantic praise for dear leader that we have now come to expect from pretty much all elements of the executive branch. It sounds like it could have come out of North Korea. So I'm skipping that part. Thank I'm you. just going to the uh, content part. The USDA, he says, is in the unique position to purchase these foods and deliver them to the hungry Americans who need it most. Well, hooray. Took you long enough. Yeah. I the, mean, we've uh, been reporting on this for a couple of weeks yeah, now. Yeah. The uh, money will be spent as part of a, this is interesting, as $470 million will be spent as part of a broad authority that the USD has had since 1935. Huh, I wonder what happened in 1935 that resulted in the USDA having this particular authority. So they've had this since 1935, uh, the authority to allow for food purchases to help both farmers and people in need through school meals, food banks, and other programs. So they could have done this long ago. Uh, but the uh, Trump administration is just so inept, it would have helped you know, so-called uh, Trump country, farmers and so forth, uh, but they're so inept, they can't even do things properly to help their own voters, the farmers in those areas. It took them weeks and weeks with farmers throwing out all kinds of food. Some commodity groups have for weeks been urging the USD to do this, to use the authority to buy more perishable foods as demand from food service has plummeted shipments on the newest round of food purchases is expected to begin in July. According to the USDA on Monday, not sure why it's taking that long. That's a lot of food wasted. Uh, but that's where we are. Uh, well, anyway, at least that bailout, and it is a bailout for the industry, but at least that bailout actually helps not only the industry, not only big ag, but it also helps actual American citizens around the country, presumably, who will who will be getting that food and who certainly need that food. Contrast that scheme with what the Trump administration is now pulling off to bail out the oil and gas industry, which Congress specifically voted to not do. Well... The administration is doing it anyway, as Desi Doyen will explain in our Green News report coming up next on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. The broadcast and the Green News report are 100 percent independent, 100 percent listener supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. Please drop by bradblog.com donate. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Knew it. You knew, you knew the Trump administration was going to find some way, even though Congress said no, they were <laughs> going to find some way to help out their friends in the fossil fuel industry. Oh, yes. As, as told today by the great Desi Doyen <laughs> in our latest Green News report. We will make the energy business great again. U.S. oil industry gets a bailout after all. 
U.S. drillers waste enough natural gas to power 7 million homes. Plus... We continue to be very much focused on the energy system of the future. Shell Oil announces it will aim to be carbon neutral by 2050. They better practice their aim. All of that and more straight ahead from bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. The energy business is very important to me. Really? Is it Donald Trump? Because I don't see you spending much time with renewable energy like wind and solar. I see that you care about coal and oil and all the stuff that's killing the planet. So maybe you mean the money from the coal and oil industry to your campaign is very important to you. There, fixed it for you. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, so we've gone through about three and a half rescue packages from Congress. They chose not to bail out the oil industry, but somehow the oil industry is getting bailed out anyway. (laughs) Yes, indeed they are. Hmm. The Federal Reserve has very helpfully changed the rules of its Main Street lending program. That will allow the oil industry to access billions of dollars in financial assistance and allow them to use the money to pay off debt, previously not allowed, and it doesn't even require them to retain any employees. How lucky for them. Must be nice down there on Main Street for all of those multi national corporations. Environmental groups blasted the special treatment, saying it rewards U.S. drillers for taking on too much debt prior to the pandemic, and it rewards them for overproducing crude even before the pandemic caused oil demand to crash. So the U.S. government is picking winners and losers, which Republicans used to pretend to hate at least when it was about helping out the renewable energy industry. Exactly. The fracking boom's race to overproduce is linked to a major spike in methane in the atmosphere. Methane is a more potent greenhouse gas than carbon dioxide on shorter timescales. Last year, the Trump administration rolled back regulations requiring the drilling industry to fix methane leaks. Now, a new study from Harvard University finds that drillers have been wasting natural gas, venting it into the atmosphere at much higher rates than previously thought, rather than capturing it to sell, which means they are depriving taxpayers of royalties from gas extracted from the public's lands. Well, you got to make energy great again. The new study found that in Texas and New Mexico alone, enough natural gas to supply 7 million homes is being leaked into the atmosphere. It's the largest plume of climate change driving methane pollution ever recorded over a U.S. oil field. Wow. And it has a market value of $250 million. And they're just letting it blow away. Yep. And now a different study from Global Carbon Monitors at CarbonBrief.org concludes that global methane emissions from fossil fuels are also severely underestimated and could be as much as 40 percent higher than previous estimates. That means fossil fuel drilling could be a much bigger contributor to climate change than previously thought. That could actually be a plus side rather than natural sources that humans can't control. These are controlled by humans, meaning, quote, that puts more of the emissions under our domain and agency. We can limit emissions of methane to the atmosphere and the warming that they cause. So we can, we just don't. Right. 
At least one major oil company is publicly acknowledging that an extended coronavirus crisis could mean that plummeting oil demand never returns to previous levels. Sad. Ben Van Buren, the CEO of oil giant Royal Dutch Shell, in a recent conference call, announced the company's first dividend cut since the 1940s and was less than optimistic about the oil industry's future. Will demand ever uh, go back to, uh, to where it was? Uh, that's hard to say. Uh, we live a crisis of uncertainty at the moment. We don't know what's on the other side. Van Buren reiterated the company's major shift in strategy that was announced in late April. Shell has to set out a new ambition, become a net zero emissions energy business by 2050 again in step with society. Shell's new strategy focuses on integrating and selling more clean energy. It is the largest global oil and gas company in the world so far to target net zero by 2050. Sustainable investing groups called it a step in the right direction, but critics say Shell's first step must be to stop new drilling projects. Yeah, what kind of clean energy does Shell oil sell? I think they're buying into renewables. Yeah, well... I'll buy into that when I see it. Finally, some good news. Here in the U.S., renewable energy is surging past coal and for the first time ever generated a bigger share of the nation's electricity than coal for an entire month, the month of April. Actually, since March 25th, clean solar, wind, and hydropower combined produced more electricity in the U.S. than coal every day for 40 straight days and, as of airtime, is still doing it. Poor coal. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find, follow, and share us planetwide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. Softly swaying to that smoky beat down on Main Street. <laughs> yeah. So that, that program that they're calling the Main Street program, Des, uh, that the Fed is giving out trillions of dollars yeah. to save Main Street businesses. A Main Street business under that act uh, in, uh, means a business that has fewer than 10,000 employees. Well, you know, your you're local Main Street. Your average Main Street. Yeah. Yeah. Just like in rural America. Unbelievable. Anyway, thank you very much, Desi Doyen. My thanks also to my guest today, Gallup, New Mexico Mayor Louis Bonaguidi. And boy, uh, our uh, all of our luck to those folks out in New Mexico in Gallup right now fighting the good fight. We'll continue to cover that story as best as we can. Uh, my thanks to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program or any other, you can download years and years of them for free at bradblog.com. You, and that is made possible by those of you who support our work. We rely only on you to stay on your public airwaves. Those of you who stop by bradblog.com slash donate and uh, folks uh, contributing right now are greatly appreciated since I know that uh, everyone is really up against it. So thank you. You can drop me email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am simply the Brad blog. I will see you there until we see you here next time, hopefully tomorrow. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. I drift back in time and I find my feet down on Main Street.